Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by Amelia Judd and Michael Woods. Both guests are currently living and working in Busan, South Korea, but hail from the UK and US respectively. We initially planned on recording this pod to coincide with the new normality art exhibition that both of them had contributed works to, but we couldn't get the dates to work. Nevertheless, we talk expat journeys, some great stories and locations from Florence to Prague, Liverpool, and of course, Busan itself. We also talk how they both got into art, what mediums and styles they like to use, from illustration to the more classic fine arts, who inspires them artistically, from Frida Kahlo to Bob Ross, and the Italian masters. Later on, we hear how the New Normality exhibition came to fruition, and how it was relatively easy to choose a theme. The name might give you a hint. Michael and Amelia described the pieces they created for the exhibition and working to a tight deadline. We also look at some more plans for exhibitions in the new year. Finally, we also ponder algorithms, demographics and just who is using what type of social media. And are the Czechs and South Koreans more similar than we might think? Let's get right into it. Here's Amelia and Michael. I graduated in 2012 from Cardiff Metropolitan Uni um, and I did a degree in illustration and after that I spent six months just working like uh, in a pub like not doing anything really and then in the meantime one of my good friends had moved to Daegu and she was saying like because I want I, we wanted to go traveling me and my then boyfriend wanted to go traveling so she's like you should come to Korea the jobs it's really easy to teach and you can earn lots of money and then you can save up and so we moved we moved to um Korea in 2013 in the spring and um we we moved down in this area but we were living in Gimme which is just like the next city over from Busan and um then we stayed in Gimhe for like for three years and after three years I was like oh I feel like I've sort of done with Korea now like we should I felt like kind of we were putting our real life real lives on hold <laughs> and then we ended up staying here a lot longer than we intended like it was always going to be maybe two years but then another another year passed and I was like it's time to go back to England so went back to England in 2016 and then we got we got married um we spent 10 months in england or maybe almost a year and then we were it getting at your feet deciding where to go next and we decided on moving to the czech republic so we moved in 2017 we moved to prague and we were also teaching there um and we lived there for just under two years and then 
we caved and moved back to Korea last last year. But this time in Busan, we're living in Busan. And that's it. How about you, Michael? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so um, I, I guess I should go back. I, uh, so I study fine arts in uni as well. Um, not illustration, but yeah, painting and drawing. And I was fortunate enough to like to travel to Italy and study for two years. And uh, that was my first time living like outside of the U.S. But um, yeah, from that point on, I just thought like, oh, I've, I've got to just keep traveling. Like, it's just so much of the world to see. So once I finished my, uh, my bachelor's, I ended up moving to the U.K. and to, uh, to Liverpool to, uh, to do my CELTA, to teach English. And uh, I was... I was also uh, kind of engaged as well. <laughs> so, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Long story. It's okay. I'll spare you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, like during my travels, I I, uh, I started dating a girl from from the UK for a couple of years, and uh, yeah, I ended up moving there. And anyways, it just yeah, it kind of dissolved, and I ended up coming to Korea. And like during during my Celtic course, my instructors were telling me, well. Uh, I think Korea is a great place to go for your first gig and, you know, you can save up money and, you know, do what you do a lot, do more traveling. Yeah. It's pretty much just where I ended up coming. So I went home from the UK for six months. Yeah. After that, I was in Busan. That's a, a long story short. <laughs> where, where were you in Italy, Michael? I was in Florence. Yeah. I okay. was there for two years. Yeah. It was not, the best time of my life. <laughs> not too shabby then. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been in Busan? I've been here for um, I think it's yeah, it's been six years now. I was pretty pretty lucky is I got I got hooked up with the with a recruiter in in Liverpool who um, had sent some more people to Busan. So um, I ended up getting on the Epic program, and I think for that intake only I think only like three people were allowed to come to Busan. So I don't know how I lucked up. So because I'm guessing this Epic program they can send you out into the the Bunis. Yeah, they can send you anywhere. Person. Yeah, and most you know most people. We're either looking, aiming for uh, Seoul or Busan, and I um, I chose Busan because you know it's got it's got the beaches, it's got mountains, it's got everything. So, yeah, I was pretty pretty lucky. Amelia, how are you finding Busan in comparison to the? You can't really compare it to the Czech Republic, I imagine, but Gimhe Gimhe is a kind of smaller, a much smaller city. Huh? It was funny because I was actually saying to my friend yesterday that um, Czech people and Korean people are kind of similar it's funny because i always thought that czech and korea were similar because they both really like drinking like a lot <laughs> like and also they both have a pickled cabbage as their main food like sauerkraut and kimchi is quite similar yeah and also they're both they've both had quite a lot of political upheaval in the past 50 60 years and then and then, like, they're sort of coming out of it now. Or they're out of it now, but they came out of it very quickly. Because Korea obviously had their technological uh, boom in, like, the 90s or 80s. And then also Czech, obviously. Communism fell in 1989. So they've got both kind of changed quite quickly. I feel like the people are still catching up in both places. So when I lived in uh, Gimme, uh, it's actually really close to Busan. So I used to come to Busan all the time. So... It hasn't been that different. And I actually, where I live in Busan is like right on the edge. So Gimhe is really close and I'm on the cusp. Like I can get to Gimhe because I still have a lot of friends who live in Gimhe. So I can get to Gimhe in like half an hour. And then if I want to go into Busan, it's like half an hour, an hour. It depends where I'm going. So 
I think Gimei is just a bit more chill. Like, even though where I'm living is quite quiet for Busan, um, Gimei's like a lot, got more green open spaces. It's funny because I didn't realise how nice Gimei was until I didn't, until I moved to Busan. I was like, oh, Gimei was actually really pretty. <laughs> I didn't realise, yeah. But I do miss it a little bit. I go, but I go back to visit a lot. And Michael, I guess you, you definitely can't compare Florence to uh, Busan, right? It's, uh, oh, <laughs> it's been, no, no way, man. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been gone that long. I do remember what Busan looked like. So, yeah, you know. How about the settling in uh, part for you, Michael? You're saying you've been there for six years, and has it been a pretty smooth process for you? Yeah, yeah, fairly so. I mean, I live, I lived in um, an area that. Amelia lives in now, actually, when I first arrived, which is kind of on the edge of Busan. Yeah, it's kind of, um, I call it the kind of quiet, quiet place of Busan. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really nice, kind of serene, great places for riding, like going for a bike ride on the weekends or if you want to go hiking or something. So, yeah, I guess when I, when I first arrived to get away from all of the stress that I was dealing with before, like the breakup and everything, it was um, a good place to kind of, kind of come and just uh, do a bit of introspection into um, to see like where I wanted my life to go. Yeah, that was a fairly smooth transition, you know, aside from, the, of course, the cultural things that you have to deal with. But I'm pretty flexible, so that, that was fine. Some parts, it, it, sometimes it was difficult to be like the only, the only brother out there, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but other, otherwise, it's been... It's been all right. I mean, there's a lot of places the further south you go to in South Korea that the the expat or the non-Korean population is is less and less, right? It's it's just a a geographical fact. In the capital city, there's it's more diverse. There's just more people mm -hmm. and yeah. so on. But you start moving into the provincial towns through Chungju and Daejeon and Daegu, and then you get into Busan itself and stuff. It just it's still quite a big expat community, though. Relatively. They all they all congregate in Hamyang uh, in Hyundai and Gwangali mostly. Right. Yeah, everyone knows everyone here. I feel like you can even if you meet someone you don't know, you'll definitely have someone in common that you know. Oh, this person, yeah. Oh, them. Oh, yeah. I know them from this small community. Emily, we're talking about art, and you were saying you studied uh, illustration. I mean, you always been artistically inclined. Mm, yeah. So I've always been good at drawing ever since I was small. And then my, my Nana would encourage me to paint and she would teach me. She like taught me how to paint roses and things like that when I was a kid. And, but I, I, I wasn't really interested in it at the time. <laughs> and then um, I just liked to draw princesses and things like that. Just when I got, as I got older, it's just the thing I wanted to do all the time. I just always wanted to draw. If I was at school and I was doing like maths, I would just be drawing in the back of the math book. I wouldn't be learning. I wouldn't be paying attention to math. All like the margins would fill with doodles and all that. And then, um, so it just seemed like the natural thing to study it because it was what I was most passionate about. So when I went to, I went to uni, well, my teacher suggested I study illustration instead of fine art because I was going to do fine art but then they were like your stuff's so illustrative you should do illustration so I did that and I went to Cardiff but I really struggled at uni it's hard to go like I was like always the best at art but then I went to uni and obviously everyone there was great and I was like just had to work a lot harder to be noticed the first two years I 
didn't really do much and I was kind of like I don't I was a bit overwhelmed I suppose and I was like I don't really know I don't feel like my stuff is great and I don't really know what to do and then it all just kind of clicks it and then it, yeah actually I have to repeat my second year of uni because I messed up and then gave myself a talking to I was like you need to you've like wasted spent all this money you've been studying for like two years you need to like sort yourself out so and then everything just kind of clicks and the last two years were fine yeah so then when I graduated I was really happy since then I've kind of always been juggling like if I'm going to make more of my art like a career or if I'm what I'm going to do if I want to make it a career because it's like sometimes I think if you have something you love doing and you try and make money out of it then you end up hating it there's been plenty of times where I've hated sometimes I wish I wasn't good at drawing because it would be easier like oh I don't feel like I'm wasting my and sometimes I can go months without doing anything but luckily since I moved back to Korea I've been more prolific I think out of uni my most apart from when I was a teenager my most prolific times have been when I was living here which was another reason I wanted to come back here I feel like there's something about here that makes me work harder for that's cool what about your favorite medium then Amelia so I'm a painter but I mostly use watercolour or cream paint, the cream poster paint. I use that a lot too. I have used ink in the past, but I don't use it so much these days. Like quite traditional. Yeah, I've never tried oil or anything like that. Um, I used to use acrylic a lot before when I was like in university. I haven't touched acrylic for years. And on paper, so I'm not, I'm not using canvases or anything like that. Just paint on paper. Is it a particular style that you would describe yourself as? It's maybe kind of hard to pigeonhole it, now. I don't know. I mean, just very, it's always very colourful and there's always a lot going on, like a lot of detail, what I would say. <laughs> right. It sounds fine. It sounds perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. Michael, how about you? What's your twist on things? Yeah, it's quite similar to Amelia's. Like I've, from a very young age, I was always drawing, sketching. I used to get in trouble for like drawing on the walls at home. <laughs> and mm. I, yeah, I come from a, a family of artists. Like my dad, my dad didn't do art professionally, but uh, you know, he sketched my mom or my my sis, my sister. He'd do like these caricatures that were, uh, I mean, obviously funny, but they were also beautiful as well. I used to keep them uh, when I was, keep them as a kid, just for our sort of inspiration. But yeah, so yeah, I'd always been interested in drawing and like Amelia, yeah, I would be sketching in class, like sketching in the books instead of paying attention. And I guess when I got to high school, I thought I started thinking about it in a more serious way. Uh, at the same time, I was like still, I was playing, playing football, American football. So I was kind of a, at a crossroads like, oh, do I want to play football in college or do I want to study art? I guess I could have done both. Now that I think about it, but, yeah, football, it takes up so much of your time and you've got to be, you know, so serious about it. And, it's, you know, it's got to be your whole life. Yeah, I ended up actually, I got hurt during my uh, junior year in high school. Uh, I played uh, running back and one day I was running the ball and, yeah, some guy hit me and it like kind of snapped my, my left arm. I, I guess that was an answer like, yeah, you probably probably should just uh, pursue, pursue art or something. <laughs> So yeah, I, I quit playing football and I started uh, taking these like night classes at the local museum in my in my hometown. And there I met uh, met some really great people who kind of 
steered me in a direction to, to seriously pursue art. So yeah, I studied um, yeah for two years in my hometown. And at the same time, I was studying uh, painting with a Russian artist. He's kind of like a big celebrity guy in my hometown. And uh, yeah, on, yeah, on Saturdays, I would study with him. I study like the traditional techniques of oil painting. And meanwhile, throughout the week, I'd go to my uh, university and you know study contemporary aspects of, of art. Yeah, two years later, he was saying, you know, Michael, well, yeah, I think maybe you should go to Italy. You know, you should like uh, you should become a master. You know, <laughs> so I, yeah. Yeah, he helped me get a scholarship to go to Italy, and yeah, I was there for two years, and it, it was great. Yeah, then I, I came home to finish my my bachelor's, and yeah, as you know, it's kind of hard to to pursue art as a career, you know, to make money. <laughs> so, hence the reason why I'm here, you know, teaching English at, and at the same time still, you know, painting. You still got to pay the bills, eh? Yeah, I got to pay the bills, man. <laughs> It's the kind of age-old, whatever your your art may be, whether that's music or yeah, you're a musician, music. so you you I guess you understand. <laughs> yeah. Yes. the The road is long, as they say. Yes. Go on, man. I was just gonna say, in terms of a style, you know, I wouldn't. I don't really know what kind of style my painting is. Emily, how would you describe your inspiration? Where did you know your artistic inspiration come from, or who inspires you artistically? When I was young, it was mostly like from movies or books that I read. I got super into anime when I was a teenager. And also, so I was quite into drawing in that style. And also I loved Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and all of that stuff. So I would draw a lot of fantasy things like elves and <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, so I struggle sometimes where my inspiration comes from. I don't feel very inspired, but... It's usually from just what's around me, you know, like I draw my husband a lot and then like also just, I like the mountains and nature. Yeah. Um, in terms of artists, I was really inspired when I was young. So Frida Kahlo, I was in art class and we had this big shelf of books about art, different artists. And I just picked up her book and I just had never seen anything like it. I was like, oh my gosh, like the, I remember the ones that struck me most was the it's just a few small nips. I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but that was like a one where she'd read in the paper about a woman being stabbed. And it was just a picture of this woman on a bed covered in cuts and blood everywhere. <laughs> it's quite graphic. Like, And then I was just like, oh my God, that I was like, I thought it was amazing. And then uh, also the one where it's her mother giving birth to her. I just never seen anything like that in my life. So I got really into doing quite depressed like not depressing like quite hard topics i don't know like like i had an art project and i picked like this horrible story from the paper about an indian girl who was forced into her uh, marriage and then committed suicide i did a painting of that <laughs> so yeah that was when i was a teenager but um i still find that stuff very interesting but yeah but i still love frida carlo i think she's probably been one of my biggest influences but also a lot of illustrators they're just books I would pick up in the bookshop I used to go into the bookshop and if I saw anything with illustrations I liked I would buy it there was this illustrator called Christian Birmingham he did lots of uh, fairy tale illustration and also this art painter called Rebecca Rebecca Guay Guay I was never sure how her name was pronounced and she did a uh, paintings of goddesses and 
ballerinas and things like that. And then also when I got a bit older, I really liked this uh, illustrator called Carson Ellis, who did a lot of illustrations for her husband is in the band The Decemberists. I don't know if you've heard of them. but yeah, I, know, I know them, yeah. She, her, she illustrates a lot of their CD artwork. So my dad would go buy the CD and I would look at the artwork and go, oh, I love that. And um, yeah, but yeah, so I don't, I try not to look at other people's work too much because sometimes I find it a bit distracting, but I guess the biggest influence would be. So I'm very inspired by people. I would say my work is mostly people i do more other things these days like buildings and things but when i was young i just drew people and mostly a lot of women like don't draw men that much michael how about you i guess my first inspiration was um kind of cheesy uh, bob ross <laughs> i don't know if you know yeah yeah with the with the hair yeah, that big afro <laughs> yeah mm. yeah i used to watch him every saturday <laughs> i guess just the fact that he uh he he brings so much joy to art and to painting. I just, I, I, I don't know. It just, uh, it really made me light up. You know, every every Saturday morning, I just sit in front of the television, and just that's really what I want to do. Yeah, he sort of that the joy of him painting is, I guess, yeah, is what gave me a great inspiration. Later on, I really got inspired by an artist. Uh, you know, Caravaggio. He's mm -hmm. one of the uh, mm -hmm. Renaissance painters. He's kind of the opposite of Bob Ross, and I, now that I think about it, in every aspect, like. Bob Ross's work is really light and bright, uh, mostly about you know, painting nature, whereas Caravaggio focuses more on the human condition and everything is dark and dramatic I and mean, fairly violent. Uh, he himself was a violent person. I don't know if you know, but he actually, uh, he murdered someone. It's kind of like how intense he was, which is, uh, it's kind of weird that he's my inspiration. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, I guess he just, he shows like the, the broken human spirit and uh, I guess he at the end of his life he tried to find some sort of redemption he would try to find redemption through his art you know I, I, I think there's something really beautiful about that I mean is that inspiration stayed with you or are you a bit more diverse would you say now as you get a bit older yeah as Amelia was saying I, I try I try not to look at too many artists these days because I, I feel Sometimes it kind of clouds your own judgment or like you, tr you find yourself trying to um, emulate a certain artist or surpass someone. And it's just, mm. for me, it's not, it's not healthy. So at the moment I'm working on some artists like dealing, dealing with more political situations back home in America, so like societal issues. So at the moment I'm looking at a lot of works, uh, work by um, French artist uh, Jacques-Louis David, who he was kind of responsible for the French Revolution, somewhat. Uh, he and Voltaire and a bunch of other characters. But he was kind of a propagandist as well. So I'm trying to like find a balance of um, how of presenting my work in a really powerful way, but also with a, a grain of like being authentic and truthful, not just trying to bamboozle people. And like Amelia was telling us before, she prefers to use paper and paint. Is that oh yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> my memory yeah, yeah. <laughs> slipped there. For, correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. And what's your medium of choice, Michael? What do, what do you like to do? Uh, I mostly work in oils. Yeah, oil on canvas, and you know that's just the standard way of, of you know classical painting, which is what we were what we had to train to do in Italy. Like I, I'd say that my my two years of training in Italy probably stuck with me the most out of all like my entire career of 
the painting working in the classical way like they the school i went to was called the florence academy of art and their motto was like we are carrying on the tradition of the masters so you'd have to uh, be at your easel with your canvas you'd have to have your canvas already like uh, with a grounded foundation of some sort of like burnt umber or sepia tone which is a kind of a it already allows you to have a sort of human flesh color to build on so um yeah, you had to have that and you had your you your palette in hand with your your three colors on you have to start out with just black white and maybe burnt umber and what you do is you build it's almost like sculpture you build up the painting through those three colors first that way you're not distracted by the reds and the yellows etc and from there once you have everything perfect the way it should be then you can throw in the colors i pretty much stick with that that sort of way of painting unless I'm just feeling really inspired or I just want to just go in with, with the colors. Usually like when I'm painting, just painting fresh, what we call a la prima painting, where you just paint. Uh, usually you, you try not to think, you try to use your, your, your just your five senses and just uh, interpret what you're seeing and put it right onto the canvas. So uh, that's the technique I use yeah, on oil, on canvas with oils. Amelia, would you like to tell us about the New Normality exhibition? Yes, yeah, so we have a very talented mutual friend called Min, who is, she's like driven most of my Korean uh, like art experience. Like she was the first person who I got, who I got in contact with back in 2014, maybe, when she was looking for like artists to exhibit with and she just started draw, uh, drawing or painting like she'd always been interested but never had the chance to do it because it wasn't it wasn't really something encouraged to they were encouraged to study when she was in school like as a career option so she was looking for artists and uh, after we exhibited together like a few times when I lived here first time around and then it's another one of the other reasons I moved back is because I thought oh I can exhibit with men again like and then she was saying oh maybe I'm gonna move out of Korea and I was like no don't like wait <laughs> and then she was talking to us about she want because originally we would do exhibitions with quite a few artists but it would be quite hard to manage sometimes like some people were more committed than others and some people ended up doing more work in prepping for it and you know, all that kind of stuff when you're managing a lot of people. So she, she told me, oh, I would like to exhibit with just a few artists like you and, and Michael and the other Michael. And so we were talking about what kind of theme we would like, because usually we get a theme, like just a very broad theme and we just do what we feel. And obviously because this year has been so crazy we were like oh well sh we should do something about everything that's been going on so because I was like we, we were thinking initially about COVID but then at the same time it was when there was the really big civil unrest blowing up in the US at, at that time so we were like let's make it about everything going on this year because this year has been so crazy it's not just been COVID there's been so much happening and then we can just sort of pick what we feel we can what what feels most relevant to us we can yeah if it's that broad so that's why we called it the new normality because instead of something a bit more specific because we could just pick what we wanted to what message we wanted to convey just went from there really and we all we're all quite different so we all completely different stuff we all came up with them um, and I decided 
after thinking about it a lot, what I wanted to sort of show COVID, like quarantine in different countries from the female perspective. I did some research online about how different women across the globe have been dealing with quarantine or whatever's been happening in their country and do some illustrations for like each individual woman and where she is. Yeah. And yeah, so that's how that it came about. But Michael, obviously, he did something completely different, but his work was also very good. <laughs> did you have a set amount of pieces that you had to produce for each of you? Or was there a limit on what, you know, how many pieces you could put out? No, I think we were just as much as we could because um, originally I was going to do four pieces, but I ended up doing six. So I was really happy. <laughs> that never happens. I end up doing more than I intended. So, but, um, you know, we were all, all of our work was so different and we all obviously have jobs as well. So it was just sort of, however much you can manage. So I had six, but Michael only had, had one piece, but his piece was massive, so. Yeah, yeah. five feet wide. <laughs> uh, tell us about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a fairly a large painting. It's called the, uh, the Crucifixion of George Floyd. And it's yeah, dealing with the yeah, civil unrest that's happening back in the US at the moment. And it's, uh, yeah, obviously yeah, in the title you can, see what it is it's crucifixion so i looked at a um an old rembrandt painting of a crucifixion of of christ and i wanted to kind of like interject or like throw on like kind of african-american history in more of a like historical context of state state violence and brutality uh that carries um obviously like significant a significant amount of meaning you know just culturally the crucifixion so i feel, yeah, i guess if i describe the painting it's george floyd which was the, i guess for people who don't know the man who was murdered or killed uh, a few months ago where the police officer nailed on his neck for nine minutes roughly while he um, just slowly passed away before just uh, just telling him that he couldn't breathe but uh, they just wouldn't wouldn't let off He's on a cross, and the ones who are um, nailing him to the cross are the police officers. And there's um, there's also like a an officer on a horse carrying the American flag, which is touching Floyd, uh, George Floyd's body. I'm just really playing with a lot of symbology. That's hopefully I conveys a, a powerful message that something, yeah, something is, 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 I guess I'm crying out. I'm trying to cry. Something is wrong. You know, this is my way of letting people know, like, something is wrong, the way the artist did in the past. So. Uh, the, the piece itself, Michael, since it was, it's quite a, a big piece, is it, where is it now? Is it still in the location where the exhibition <laughs> is held? Or? It's, it's in my living room. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's still on the easel, actually. It's, um, it's unfinished. I, I've still got a few more figures to paint in. As you know, with uh, most crucifixion paintings, you have um, the onlookers, like the, the weeping mothers or weeping family uh, family members. So yeah, I've got a few more figures to paint in. I've also got like um, just just a few technic technical things to to work out, you know. But the uh, the impression. Is, is there, which is what I, I'm, I always go for first, the impression. And your, your plans, when, when you do finish it, what, what plans do you have for the piece? So I'm, this is actually going to be uh, maybe one piece of a series of paintings, maybe 10 or 12 or so, where I'm, I'm planning to look at old European paintings that my ancestors weren't allowed to enjoy, my African-American ancestors weren't allowed to enjoy or or emulate if you wanted today. I mean, 
there was no way they could have painted back in those days. So I'm taking my, like my my history and putting it like putting it into European history to show that we also have a place. Like if like basically if a black man could have painted back in those days, what would he have painted? You know. So I I've got some ideas where I, for example, I have one of a, like Malcolm X. Do you know the painting of Napoleon on the horse crossing the Alps? Right. I'm thinking of changing him to to maybe Martin Luther King or Malcolm X probably King where he's crossing the Selma Bridge, like a really mm. triumphant thing. Uh, I've got some, some more works where I'm, I want to have characters such, such as Harriet Tubman or Frederick Douglass. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like building a bridge between my own past and now, but using a kind of classical European approach to painting. Part of that is due to the fact that most, most of the time when people think about black, black painters, they usually think of, um, like Basquiat or more like contemporary or like abstract painting. Right. But my ambition is to show that basically a black man can paint just as well as a master's can. That's my, my goal. <laughs> so I'm hoping to, um, to get in touch with some galleries back home, maybe in New York or California, and possibly have a solo show with uh, these works or that are dealing with the things that are happening now, you know? Yeah. Sounds really interesting, man. For the the exhibition itself, it was called New Normality. And as Amelia described what has become the new normal or the exhibition ran for two or three weeks or how how did that process work? Yeah, it's about it's about two weeks and yeah, I think we, we initially planned to have it yeah running for full on two weeks, but because of the whole COVID situation, we can only have it have the gallery open for two weekends. So from Friday to Sunday each weekend. So um, we'd all take shifts. Like one person would go in to open the gallery and stay there a few hours and another person would come in to, to close the gallery. Yeah, meanwhile, we had we had quite a few visitors, which was nice. Uh, Korean, Korean as well, like Korean local people. And as Micah was mentioning what he's working on at the moment, uh, yourself, Amelia, what's on your to-do list? I've been asked by a friend a couple I met in Prague, they've written a children's book about living in Prague as what's it like to live in Prague as a kid. So they asked me if I could do the illustrations. So I'm working on that at the moment. It's almost finished. And also it's October, so I'm semi doing Inktober, but not really. Um, just trying to draw. Um, I'm, I wrote a story. I completed it last year and I'm attempting to make it into a graphic novel. So I've been planning that as well. Are there plans for any more exhibitions between your your collaborative group? Uh, yeah, I think we were talking about doing one in the spring, um, but we all were quite, we were all like, oh, maybe we'll leave it a few months before we start thinking about the next one. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> as, as you were saying, Amelia, right? People, we have day jobs and, uh, you know, your own personal lives to get on mm. with and stuff and it's it takes a bit of commitment and maybe you're doing a bit more of the heavy lifting than some of the other people and so on and it's yeah it's good to leave it for a while yeah I mean we all we definitely all benefited from the the reason Min was so keen on doing it she said was more because she just wanted to have something to work for because she works better when she has a deadline and she's working towards something um, and we, I think we all benefited from that because we just had to work, we had to, to, to 
do it we couldn't really second guess if we were like oh is this good oh, oh i don't know if i like this oh no no we have to do this because we've got this deadline which we all um we all benefited from but yeah we were like oh we'll just give it uh, like a few months before we think about the next thing because um we all have personal projects we want to work on as well and as well as um day jobs so <laughs> the real life stuff yeah <laughs> yeah the real the real drama and all that <laughs> Yeah. How about where can we find your work, Amelia? Do you have a, a social media presence or where, where can we see your work? So I have a um, website. It's AmeliaRoseJuddIllustration.com. And I also have my Instagram, which is at AmeliaRoseJuddIllustration. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm updating the Instagram more than the website these days because it's just easier. But um, yeah, both of them. Are up and running websites seem to be a great idea until you have to do the updating part right oh yeah i did a it, i had it it looked the same since i finished uni and this, <laughs> this spring i spent because obviously we had lots of free time in the spring i spent about a week like editing and changing it so i think Jazzing it looks it quite up. nice right it looks quite nice right now i think yeah i know it just it hasn't nothing's happened to it since then <laughs> this is a common thread with the people i've been speaking to you know they oh yeah i have a website you can check it out but i haven't really updated it since you know 2014 or whatever so yeah, yeah. you don't really need to now with instagram as well because like it, everyone's on instagram now so the website it's almost it almost seems obsolete kind of in a way it's maybe a good base to start from you know if you want yeah, to, if no. you want to take a browse through someone's portfolio or whatever. Uh, yeah i would never get rid of it but like i i mean i have a facebook page too but i never use that ever don't look at the facebook it's not <laughs> as nice as yeah right <laughs> instagram's the way to go michael what about you how are you fixed in a social media sense yeah i have a website as well and instagram uh woodsfineart.com and at Woods Fine Art on Instagram, but yeah, same same story. My my website is, is it hasn't been updated in a while, so it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, do I've got a Facebook page as well. But I don't use it that often. Do you find like the social media actually helps? So, for example, in the promotion of the the last exhibition you did, this new normality exhibition. Did the presence of social media actually help get the word out there? You, what Michael was saying about having more local South Koreans visit, for example. Yeah, I mean, you did the, didn't you make the Instagram? Yeah, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I made a, I made a Facebook page and an Instagram page each day. I, well, not each day, but maybe each weekend, I tried to upload a few pieces of our work, of our work, and maybe um, just promotion or ads. And what I've, I was, I was telling the group, what I found was that on Facebook, most of the people that responded were like middle-aged Koreans, mostly men, Korean men, which I, I found really, really interesting. But mm. for the younger, younger, younger crowd, it's obviously Instagram in, in Korea for some reason. I think in the U.S., uh, most, I think everyone uses Facebook quite a bit. Yeah, that was interesting. All right, fantastic. Thanks very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having Thanks. us. Yeah. Yeah, maybe be on the lookout for a few paintings of mine in the future. Uh, hopefully <laughs> they'll, they'll blow up. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Definitely. Well, you, you heard Stroke saw it here first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe you'll see a book illustrated by me in the future. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> 
and uh, enjoy the rest of your day or your evening. Thank you. Thanks. And it's been thanks. a pleasure. Enjoy your, your day. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. Amelia, Michael, cheers. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Bye. You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on anchor.fm. Simply search for Can't Find My Way Home. On Instagram at can't.findmywayhome. On Facebook at Expat Music Pod. Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts from, I'm pretty sure you'll find us there too. Until the next one, this is Craig saying cheers.